Welcome to another edition of the Heron Outlet. She is Alex Winley. I am Ian Haston. Alex, there's a new boss in town. Inter Miami making the announcement that Tata Martino will be the next head coach for Inter Miami. A press conference that actually just happened. <laughs> We're returning back from it. So fresh off of that, Tata returns to MLS where he coached Atlanta United and Joseph Martinez while he was there, oddly enough. Also a reunion with both Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets, who both played under him in Barcelona in 2013-14. And for Messi, a second stint with the Argentinian national team. So a lot of history there and a lot to get to with Tata's announcement. He did it with uh, Chief Sporting uh, Officer and uh, Club Technical Director, Sporting Director, Chris Henderson, just a minute ago. A lot of interesting nuggets from there. But I wanted to start with with the obvious, the initial questions that were asked of Tata you you listened in I was there as well so uh, what did you make of his introductory press conference I thought it was very revealing he was obviously very candid and and kind of I I thought very amenable very very comfortable in his skin there uh, to a crowd that we haven't seen at many inter-Miami press conferences I think that this is sort of the new normal that you and I are going to encounter Uh, but a, a room packed full of people on a Thursday morning, I joked that, you know, we I've never seen that before. Sometimes it's just a couple of us. Well, I guess now that'll be a little different. But with Tato coming in, Tato coming in, uh, what did you make of, of his initial comments and, and what he might bring to the table here for Inter-Miami? Yeah, like you said, Ian, he was very realistic. Um, I think he even said as much that this is going to be a rebuilding year for them, you know, looking at Inter-Miami and its current state pre-Messi and Busquets, they're, they're not the most cohesive team on the field. So Tata was super um, realistic about Miami's chances and, and how the season, the rest of the season will go. I, I will say he did mention winning the U.S. Open Cup as an as an immediate goal uh, for one. And, and the next goal was, you know, slowly climbing up the table to get to those playoff spots. So, um, yeah, it was a good press conference. Um, you know, I wish most of it was translated, but, you know, uh, the, the team doesn't do that for some reason. But the English questions that we did hear, um, they were pretty, uh, you know, well-spoken and, and you know, we got some good answers out of him and and, um, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, pretty level-headed conference and um, nothing too surprising. You know, obviously he, he talked about speaking with Messi and Busquets and how both of them are just ready to, to start playing for Miami and, um yeah, I, I don't know if you mentioned, but, you know, Tata, they're still working on his visa, so he should be uh, officially on the sidelines um, for maybe second week of July or, or first week. But Might be sooner than that, yeah. Day, but they're pushing for it. But, so, yeah, so Chris yeah. Henderson so did they're say... They're pushing for it. And it was a, yeah, Chris Henderson did say that they have filed the visa paperwork. They've done it in tandem, presumably. Um, I found it interesting that Tata was there today because it, if he's not, <clears throat> excuse me, in an official working capacity... That was a little interesting to me, but that, that's very minor technical stuff. He did say that he expects a visa process hopefully to be done within the next five to six days. So as we're recording here on Thursday, yeah. that, that's by Wednesday next week. Um, so, you know, they do play Columbus on July 4th. So perhaps that might be Javi Morales' last game as the interim head coach. And then uh, Tata will take over from there with those two games uh, against, I believe, D.C. and St. Louis before – they uh, get ready for the League's Cup heading out in the end of July. What he, what he did mention, what, uh, let's just go through a couple of the things that he was talking about. He, at, at one point, was asked about, you know, obviously Messi and Busquets. There, there's been talk about 
I, I think that there might be some like PTSD trauma with this Miami team of, of what happened with Blaise Matuidi and some of the stars that have come in and, and whether they are ready to come into this environment. And he talked very, very directly about the fact that he had spoken with them and said, this is not a vacation. Uh, he, at another point in the, in the uh, conversation, it said that what he finds so interesting about MLS is not only the introduction of a playoff format, but also the weather, the travel, the other exterior factors that don't really exist in other leagues that make it very difficult for a coach to manage players throughout the course of a season. And in this sprint to the finish that Miami will have basically in their last 12 games of the MLS season, he tried to sort of temper the expectations of those 12 games. Miami is bottom of the Eastern Conference right now in the in the MLS Eastern Conference. So uh, it, it will be a, a tough step back for them to get into the playoff picture. But he did talk, like you had mentioned, about the U.S. Open Cup. The League's Cup will be a tremendous opportunity as well to start against you know, some, some pretty good competition, both in MLS and in Liga MX. So I, I think that that's a great starting point for him. But to, to mention that the work ethic needs to happen from day one, he had talked about how he wants to see this team look like his Atlanta teams of the past. I found that interesting. But it will take time, as he said, for him to get the personnel that he feels will be, uh, 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 you know, necessary for that. So expect more changes in the future. I think that we both thought that that was coming. But to make that team look like he wants it to is going to be a process, not just into the, the rest of this regular season. As he said, he has not taken over many teams midway through a season before in his career. So this is sort of a unique challenge for him, but also for him to be able to do it into the offseason, working with Henderson, working with Moss and Beckham, and what they're going to try and accomplish in the offseason to make this roster look more like what he's envisioning. Yeah, and, uh, you know, their Miami fans, they, they need to be cautious. It's not going to be an, an overnight thing where, you know, they're suddenly going to get better. Yes, obviously Messi will, will help, but um, like Tata said, it's going to be a, a bit of a rebuild, and I'm, I'm glad that he knows, uh, you know, wh what direction the club needs to go in because, you know, as of right now, they're not the best, and, you know, it, it's refreshing to, to see Tata be realistic and, you know, us covering the team. I think we, we knew that it was going to take some time to dig themselves out of this hole. So, um, you know, it's clear that the club and front office have a plan. You know, Tata does. You know, they're all they're all on the same page. And, you know, it, it's just they have to wait until the July 5th uh, transfer window to see a lot of these things come to shape. And then I, I believe, um, I don't know who said it, it was Chris Henderson or, or Tata who said, you know, in, in August that, that should be, you know, where the, you know, with injuries and, you know, maybe Gregory coming back. We saw that video. August would be the the proper month to see, you know, get that full squad assessment and to see if they can, you know, climb up that, that, um, that table from, you know, being last in the East. And it's going to take week by week. He said it's going to take time that you cannot get, you know, jump nine points overnight. That's just simply not the case. And these four games before Messi and Busquets arrive are, are going to be important. Inter-Miami needs to get maximum points or as many points as possible from these four games with two at home, especially to be able to get back into this. Uh, I had asked Tata about the Academy because one of my big questions, I guess, moving forward is going to be in that regard. Inter Miami has been since the club's founding. If I take you back to, you know, 2019 at Adrian Arsh center where David Beckham was talking about the, the need for a world-class Academy and how he wanted to localize a lot of the talent that's here in South Florida. My question, I guess, in the coming years 
will be how close do they continue to follow that. Inter Miami has built one of, if not, you know, one of the best is, is without question, academies throughout MLS and throughout North America, to be frank, uh, and up there with the likes of Philadelphia Union, who are consistently having players go abroad. New York Red Bulls is a very good academy. New England Revolution, Miami has the inherent advantage of having those guys in their backyard. We look to a guy like Schneider Borgelin, who is a South Florida guy, but went to Philadelphia's academy while Inter Miami was building theirs. Now Inter Miami has theirs again, and and so and built up the way it is. So th- there is a lot more expectation that this academy can be one of the best, if not the best, in this hemisphere. You you look to guys like Ben Hakrameshki, uh, guys like Noah Allen who have gone through this system, guys like David Ruiz as well, uh, who are contributing first team minutes right now, and what that means to the squad and what it will mean at least in the near future for what this team is. I was curious to ask Tata about. With these big names coming in, doesn't get any bigger than Messi. Busquets is close behind. You know, you're paying these guys huge, huge salaries. What does it mean for the academy and, and what will be happening moving forward? And his answer was pretty uh, pretty simple. He said that he wants the academy or at least the second team players with Inter-Miami 2 to be training right next to the first team players. There is both a pragmatic and a practical aspect to that. The pragmatic thing is you need bodies, right? In practice, you and I have gone through it before. If you have, if you're playing 11 v 11s, you want that second team to be able to facilitate. That can only help the Inter Miami two players to have to defend Lionel Messi on a regular basis. That's gonna, that's going to improve you as a central midfielder, for example, or a central defender, for example. But also pragmatically, Tata talked a lot about the rules of MLS, which make it very difficult to get more than a couple of Lionel Messi and Sergio Busquets. There's not a lot that you're going to be able to do past that and to be able to round out your roster with the homegrown guys that both come cheap, come young with a chance to to sell on in the future and reap the benefits of their future success in their careers, but also come with certain rules in the MLS collective bargaining agreement that make it advantageous to sign a guy like Drake Callender from your youth system or a Ben Hukramashki, who I mentioned before. So so I was I was excited to hear that he's not giving up, that Miami is not giving up on the academy aspect of this because things have, you and I have seen them, seemingly changed overnight with this club, even where it is currently, uh, as they find themselves in the cellar of MLS. Things have changed a lot, but you're still maintaining that academy and that bottom-up growth aspect that I think will be so uniquely beneficial to a club like Inter Miami. Yeah, and even you mentioned uh, Tyler Hall. He just got um, uh, called up to the the uh, MLS Next uh, Next Pro All Star team. So that's another homegrown who's been doing so well for for Miami. And I believe that there were a couple times that he was called up to the first team as a, a short term loan. So that's another one. But yeah, I think. Uh, you know, uh, comparing Tata's time with Atlanta, they they drafted Julian Gressel out of college, who was a youngster, and Tata was able to uh, mold him into one of the best central midfielders slash wingbacks in the in the league. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does with the academy players now. You know, like you said, we have um, we have seen a lot of them come through with uh, Ben Hakramashki, Noah Allen, uh, Edison Escona, and uh, David Ruiz play so well when you know playing next to guys like Messi, Busquets, and now under an experienced head coach like Tata, it's going to be intriguing to see how much more they develop. They will have a, a wonderful home crowd. Hopefully that starts this weekend 
with Austin FC. There, there was a lot of construction and, and activity going on around the stadium today as they get ready to expand those 3,000 to 3,200 seats that you and I reported last week about the additions that will come in the corners of the stadium to enter Miami. Tickets did go on sale to the general public for the Cruz Azul game on July 21st. Many, uh, since, uh, us included, expect that to be Lionel Messi, his first game in pink and black for Inter-Miami. And I, I found it interesting that right after the press conference was when general admission sales or ticket sales went on, uh, went on sale uh, for that game. They started, if I read it right, around $380, which is uh, a lot more than, than what Miami had been selling for in the past. Uh, but but let's talk about La Familia and the crowd and what Tata Martino, what Lionel Messi, what Sergio Busquets can expect. This will be a more intimate crowd than what they're expected in the past. Camp Nou is very different, right, uh, than, than Drive Pink Stadium. As they're trying to find their footing and as they're trying to get comfortable in Miami, what, what are some of the, the things that, that as, as La Familia is getting ready, we've seen the murals, we've seen the banners that are being discussed. Uh, Phil Neville was very big on you know, lo love him or hate him. He was very big on being very attentive to the fans and listening and being involved in it. Uh, wh what have you seen over the past couple of weeks about the preparation for this? What we might expect beginning, th this is this will be the first home game since all of this has started uh, for Inter-Miami. They had the long break and then uh, we're on the road. So as they return to Drive Pink Stadium and, and start to get this feeling left, I, I almost feel like these next two games are are trial runs or test runs for late July that that these are going to be the the warm up matches for what they're they're going to expect when Messi and Busquets and Tata arrive. Yeah, you see the fans already uh, getting prepped with you know the mural murals and and banners and and whatnot, and I think that's going to carry over as we head into July. You know, uh, Messi's debut is expected to be July twenty first, so. Obviously, La Familia, they're going to get prepped for that, you know, get ready, get their chants going, you know, the, the Spanish-only chants going, and uh, try their best to just kind of create a, a great atmosphere for for uh, the the incoming players, not just Messi and Busquets, but, you know, reports have said that they're going to bring in an, an extra three to five players to help complement them, and, and obviously Tata will have a say. So I'm really intrigued, you know, obviously they're expanding the stadium as well, and, you know, uh, Miami are still in the US Open Cup semifinal, so there is some silverware to root for. So, um, yeah, it's just been a giant um, celebration, I guess. And everything has changed, you know, like, you know, like uh, Ian, you, you um, went to, to the, the introductory press conference this morning and, you know, going up to the, the practice beforehand, you know, there's gates up now. And beforehand, we were able to maybe kind of just wander around and, and just see like, in the views. But now there are there are gates and obviously... Um, you know, places where you can't just wander around to now uh, at the, the training facility. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're getting prepped. This, the the security has been upped. And, you know, obviously that campus up there has been uh, kind of locked down a little bit more. So, um, yeah, a lot of prep work, but there's still a couple weeks to go. So I'm intrigued to see how, how they speed run the, the construction process for the stadium. But, yeah, as far as the, as the fans go, they're, they're hyped and they're ready. And hopefully they can you know, make the stadium a hostile place to play for opposition teams, but um, a, a welcome place for, for the new players that are coming in. That that might be the understatement of the century, Alex. We'll, we'll, we'll digress here just for a sec, because it is, I, I know I've been joking about it a lot, but it is a little comical to see 
just, I mean, you had to sign in and get a wristband this morning. <laughs> You've never had to do that before. Um, and it's just, it, it's like a fortress now where, whereas before there was, you know, a couple, there was, there was, a, you know, a couple of us that, that regularly attend practice. There are a lot more of our friends that are joining us now. Um, it is, it is definitely interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah, there. Some questions are are ones that you know. Hopefully, the, at, from the larger standpoint, we all get up to speed with. Um, but yeah, it is definitely uh, different to say the least with uh, with who is joining us now and and uh, and where we're going and what we're doing. And um, yeah, it'll it'll take adjusting to for all of us. I think that this isn't anything that that none of us have have not dealt with before. Forgive my triple negatives there. But, you know, very similar stuff happened with LeBron and the Heat. You know, we, we've been through that in the media before as well. Um, I, I think from a media standpoint, they they have obviously uh, so many requests from people now. Uh, that, that's a little interesting. I, I, I'll, I'll be excited to see all of the content that comes out of this. We were talking before we started this show about a very interesting article in The Athletic that hopefully we'll get to later on in the show. Um, that, that just came out about how Inter Miami fixes uh, wh- where they are. I-, I wanted to go back to though, <laughs> forgive that little sidebar, uh, but but go back to what you said about the the a couple extra additions because uh, Chris Henderson was asked about that. He he didn't give as much of a direct number as you and I have heard. Um, so perhaps yeah. he's giving himself a little bit of a wiggle room there. Uh, but do expect some more mm-hmm. changes. The interesting thing that I did not hear, which might be more interesting than what I did hear, is that there wasn't any discussion about what to do with the designated player spots. He did not tip, you know, tip his hand at all about that. I think most of us yeah. at Gregory and, and Campana probably will be the other one bought down. Uh, but no mention of Roto outside of Tata. Tata talked about Roto playing in, in Liga MX. And, and, you know, knowing him from the Mexican national team. But there was no mention of Rodolfo Pizarro from Chris Henderson. And there was no mention about how they're going to, you know, line up this roster to be able to make it compliant. So th- there are still questions regarding that. We've heard from many people saying that there is no subsidy. There are no special rules. Um, you and I have both heard that, that there is absolutely no you know, exception being made for Miami. Miami is following every single rule that, that is according to MLS. That That's the word, but that, that comes with moves that have to uh, supplement th- that ability, that, that process. And we still haven't heard what's going... I mean, the primary one is Rodolfo Pizarro, right? You have to figure yeah. out what to do with Rodolfo Pizarro. It, it is a, a glaring outcast in this roster right now moving forward. And my, that, that, that to me is where whenever we're having a roster construction conversation, I almost feel like we're, you and I are back in January and February where we were having the same conversation with Alejandro Pozuelo, where I was saying, and you were saying rightfully so, that nothing with Pozuelo can happen until you figure out what happened with Pizarro. Well, what happened with Pizarro was that he returned, so Pozuelo couldn't. Now, I have no idea how you make that third designated player happen without moving Rodolfo Pizarro. I just, I, I have studied the cap. I have yeah. read the entire CBA. I've followed MLS for two decades. I have no earthly idea how you possibly make a third designated player happen or even a high-level TAM player happen without moving on from Rodolfo Pizarro. 
I think honestly, I think with Henderson, he's he's like you said, he's kind of hiding his hand here. You know, we've never gotten good quotes out of him. He's always been able to uh, talk way around the uh, talk around the question. So I do think this is just them laying low. I, I think that maybe there are poten- potential suitors for Pizarro, and and they're just keeping him low and to the side until either they can trade him to another MLS team or send them back to Liga MX. So um, I, I do think that's why you probably didn't, you know, hear Henderson uh, explain into it a little bit more. I do think, you know, Pizarro has to get moved on. You know, Busquets will be a DP per sources. Uh, you know, obviously Messi will be a DP. And then obviously they're, they're, they're probably looking to add on. Uh, they do have that flexibility to use all three DP spots. If I think you buy down Campana, I don't know the, the explicit rules for that, but you, you lose you lose those extra slots. You you lose those three yeah, slots be. that so so you know you and I were talking yesterday that that what does that mean for an Emerson Rodriguez who's currently on loan in the yes. uh, so you do if you are buying down Campana you lose those three U twenty two initiative slots. That's basically the 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 punishment that you get for that. Yeah, and and I I don't know if they'll do that if because. I don't know that those three U two U twenty two spots can add extra bodies into the roster, and you know, getting younger players around Messi and Busquets would only be helpful. But yeah, it, it honestly it remain remains to be seen. July fifth is when, even honestly, even the first week of July, we're we're at the end of June. The first week of July, we'll probably see a lot of movement. You know, on yeah, what was it next week? Wednesday is when the the transfer window opens. So I think within these next couple of days, we're probably just going to see a lot of movement. You know, Miami, despite, you know, the messy saga, as of late, their transfers have been very um, low key and and to the point, you know, I remember Dixon Arroyo, you know, we didn't hear about him joining the roster until, you know, what he, like two days before he signed. So I think with Miami, they're going to move pretty quickly to get the players that Tata needs to kind of stop the bleeding right now. And yeah, the capology of all of this is so intricate and, and, I'm in favor of just simplifying a little it a little bit, but as I've started covering, I've gotten yeah, I've gotten a, a hang of it a little bit more uh, on my own time. So um, yeah, I'm in. I think we're both going to be really interested to see how they maneuver around this. But um, yeah, that Campana decision, I, I yeah, do they buy them down and lose those spots? I think those spots would be helpful for this current roster, but. Um, yeah, let's see. And then, like you said, Emerson Rodriguez off on loan. Do they make that permanent? So there's just a lot of, of uh, situations up in the air. And I'm really, really intrigued to see how they go about this. So here's what I meant. I, I'll speak to the Campana thing first. And then and then I want to get to more in depth in the designated player conversation. But the Campana thing for me solves itself after this year. You can You can make it work where you only lose it for the remainder of this season. And if you're not going to bring in these younger guys, then... You, you can figure it out uh, that, that if Campana returns as a young designated player next season, you get those slots back. You're also not under the same uh, restrictions from the, the sanctions are gone. So, so you have more flexibility in 2024 than you would in 2023. Uh, my, my question is, if it is another high profile guy, reportedly Busquets is going to make around $10 million, right? There's no possibility to buy him down uh, from there. If, you talk about some of the names that have been floated around, and just for hypothetical purposes, well, I'll mention them, but the likes of a Jordi Alba or an Angel de Maria, right? Not saying that those are likely or even uh, on the verge of happening, but mm. if those are, are the ones that are coming in, 
is there any wig, wiggle room to be able to buy one of them down it, or or not, right? That would be how you solve it. If if one of them comes in at $1.5 million, is that a stretch? Is that is that pushing it? That That's when you're talking about capology for that third designated player spot. I, I think that that's where it's going to come in handy. And that's why I brought up when, when I was having my, the one question that we all got, uh, that's why I asked about the academy because that that prioritizes the academy even more. If you're going to have three guys that are each making ten million dollars plus, you you are forced to round out that roster with homegrown generation Adidas players, academy players, and things like that. So bring it back to Pizarro though, because I don't want to forget about it. I'm looking through, and there, there's very few teams that even could take him on in a designated player role. Red Bulls is one of them. Nashville has an open spot. LAFC is an interesting one. If they could make it possibly work, I don't know what you're getting in return there. Uh, FC Dallas, another interesting possible one if, if he could find a spot there. But outside of that, maybe the crew, maybe Atlanta has a spot. Um, but those are very, like, there, there, there's not a lot of places where Rodolfo Pizarro being moved intraly within MLS where, where that even looks possible. It, it almost looks like they need to search for a full transfer partner and needing to do that when teams know that you need to unload him, you know, it, it lends itself more to just waiting for them to buy him out than it does selling and getting a transfer fee. I guess just logically, right? Yeah, and I think uh, there has to be some team maybe a mid-table La Liga side or a Liga MX side that could use him, honestly. I think, you know, Pizarro would, didn't work out for Inter-Miami, but he still has a, an interesting, um, excuse me, a, 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 a particular skill set. He's very good at just holding onto the ball, ball retention. You know, he, he he's a skillful dribbler, and I'm sure there are some teams that could use that on, on their team right now. So it's just a matter of finding the right fit for him, you know, so he can continue his career. I, I know my inner Miami prides himself on uh, sending their players to good situations. Look at Julian Carranza, Lewis Morgan, even Christian McCoon, who first went to Charlotte and now he's with the new England uh, revolution and doing well with them. You know, inner Miami will find a good spot for Pizarro uh, when he leaves because, you know, it, you know, Busquets being a DP, it, you know, so someone needs to leave with the current DP situation. So obviously Pizarro is the one that we're all looking at. So um, yeah, he'll, he'll be in a good spot. And yeah, I don't know what MLS team could use him, but you know, you literally never know, like the Bryce Duke and Ariel Lasseter trade to, to CF Montreal that came out of nowhere. And, and oh, no, we didn't even mention the 1.3 million in, in, in GAM that they have to use too. So. Well, I think that they've used it with oh, yeah. Gregory and, and with Carranza. I, I think that oh, yeah. that just, yeah. if you look up their salaries, they almost, like specifically come up to 1.3 million. So if you just did that, then they basically cost nothing now. Their cap room is zero. They're, they're two people against your 20-man roster, which is very helpful. And, and so I, you're not going to specifically do that, but if you basically just say the 1.3 million that they got for Bryce Duke and Ariel Lassiter plus Kamal Miller, that is a net wash for uh, for Campana and for uh for Gregory. I, I think that those, those things yeah. pretty much line up. Uh, I, I do want to talk about a, a, a couple of other, uh, I guess, personnel things that, that were announced with Tata being announced uh, that, that his, one of his assistants, Jorge Thieler, uh, who was an assistant with him with the Mexico national team also at Atlanta will be joining him 
as well as uh, fitness coach Rodolfo Palladini uh, and Jose Manuel Alfaro, video analyst Damian Silvero. All of them are still awaiting visas uh, to, to be able to uh, join the team. Uh, but, but as I mentioned earlier today, uh, interim head coach Javier Morales will be remaining with the club as an assistant coach for Tata Martino. And goalkeeper coach Sebasaha will also be staying as the goalkeeper coach as well. The other assistant under Phil Neville was Darren Powell, uh, who you and I both know very well from being the Inter-Miami 2 head coach uh, previously. He was the assistant this year uh, and was sort of the, the eyes and ears from above uh, as the assistant looking down. Uh, he will be moving to a different role within the club, but maintaining uh, maintaining a, a role within the club. Darren has done a lot of great things with the academy, with the second team in the past. So I would expect him to, to return there and, and really work on player development. That's a very strong suit of his. So uh, that sort of rounds out Inter-Miami's coaching staff moving forward. What, what's your impression of that with Jorge Thieler? I, I think I'm getting the, the last name right, um, who, who was with him with Mexico um, what was with him at Atlanta United, played for Newell Oz, uh, Newell's old boys in Argentina, a guy that Tata uh, knows very well. They're very similar in age. They grew up together uh, through the ranks. So uh, uh, very comfortability within the staff that Tata is bringing around him, both for his own guys and for guys comfortable with the club. I think the the uh, the most, I keep using the word interesting, but it is interesting how they're um... – uh, they're bringing in a video analyst. I don't know if they had it on the previous staff. I know they had an analytics team, but video analysis will kind of help and remind me clean up some of the wonky things that they do on the pitch and, and just get them uh, more tactically uh, straight. So I'm pleased to see that. And yeah, a lot of it is, you know, his crew and most coaches, when they switch teams, they bring along their coaching staff with them. And it's not surprising, Ian. I know you reported something about uh, maybe another Inter-Miami coach uh, ad ad being added on to that coaching staff. And um, yeah, I think there is just a good mix of MLS experience and obviously Tata bringing him in his guys that he knows. And, you know, obviously you want a sense of comfortability with Messi and Busquets coming. You don't want them to take too long to adjust to the league. So Tata bringing in his his core group of coaches will, will only help uh, Inter-Miami and, and the younger players on the roster as well as to, to you know, help them. Um, you know, just learn how to be, you know, more professional, I guess. I'm not sitting knocking their professionalism, but like, you know, they're, they're, they're still young and just learning the rope, learning, learning the ropes more, more than, you know, just learning to be professional. So um, hopefully, you know, I'm, I'm just intrigued to see how different the assistant coaches will, will tweak some things in the roster. And, and once they get that full squad set up, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how um, it, it all uh, will uh, fit in at the end. So um yeah, I, I, I don't know. Assistant coaches, do they? I don't know. Because I, I remember under Phil Neville's staff, like he, he did bring on Darren Powell as the assistant coach, and we thought maybe the, the team would play more attacking soccer because with Darren Powell under Fort Lauderdale CF and Inter Miami CF2, they played really expansive soccer, but we didn't necessarily see that under Phil Neville. So I'm curious to see if Tata's uh, uh, assistant coaches will bring something different. But, you know, at the end of the day, he Mark, Tata is the, the head coach. So. Uh, what he says goes, but yeah, I'm in intrigued to see the changes and, and happy to see a video and um, analyst on the on the coaching staff too. Alex, it feels like every single week that you and I talk these days, we're, we're spending the first entire half of the show about the future after post, you know, July 20th uh, and whatever, but there are still games that are going on inter Miami falling this past weekend 
at Philadelphia four to one in a game that that I don't think was particularly competitive um, and and frankly a little frustrating. Uh, let, let's start there as we look towards that game where Miami stands in the standings and also to the two games, both one that they'll have this weekend and the one against Columbus on July 4th. Let's go back to Philadelphia and what went wrong there. It, it seemed to be a, another one of those games where Miami in the first 20, 30 minutes had 60 plus possession and didn't really do anything with it and even found themselves down a couple goals. Uh, and it's just odd to see this team time and time again say that they want the ball um, and and be able to accomplish that, but not be able to do anything with it and find themselves trailing when they when they are playing that game. They are almost better at playing that counterattacking style that you've called for countless times. Um, and that's where they look to having be having more joy in, in their play. Yeah, and I think that the, that Union game was so, the first what, 20 minutes they had a lot of the ball and, you know, there were a lot of, uh, lots of moments between the two tens, which were Pizarro and I have to relook at the lineup, but, you know, Pizarro started and uh, David Ruiz was in the midfield as well. Hold on, let me pull up the starting 11 real quick to ben get ha. a sense. It was Benha, Pizarro and Benha. Benha and, and Pizarro. There we ben. go. So the two tens, Benha and, and Kramashki, uh, excuse me, Pizarro and, and Kramashki, uh, they did their best, you know, um, to, to kind of, um, play um, off of Martinez, but, you know, I, I don't think it, it quite works when, I don't know, it, it just felt just disjointed. They they try to be compact at the back, but they had, you know, Noah Allen, who was a natural uh, left back playing as a center back, and while he did okay, I think, you know, I saw what Javi was trying to do, you know, have Franco Negri overlap, and Noah Allen, when he gets his chances to go forward, you know, go forward, so they have two kind of uh, you know, Pizarro cuts in on that. Uh, on he was lined up on the left hand side, so Pizarro cuts in. Franco Negri is that wide player, and then Noah Allen can be, uh, you kind of that backup option. You know, also overlapping. And then behind them, they had Ian Frey and McVay. But it, the 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 second line of the midfield uh, involving Taylor, David Ruiz, Arroyo, Negri, it felt disconnected from the back line. And so many times, uh, the Union were able to just kind of pull Miami apart and in strike in transition and that's where their downfall was. And I think I mentioned it on the pod before. That was my biggest worry. Um Miami just giving up goals in transition. And yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. The union put three goals past him. That last one was an own goal from Ruiz. But um yeah, it was just an ugly game. But you know, Taylor got a goal back in the fiftieth minute. But um yeah, my biggest fear happened. You know, they got stretched in transition. Um uh the two you know they were they're were not com- communicating well and it, it show you know ben ha and, and pozaro tried their best to kind of get the offense going but I, I you know maybe this would have worked better had they had campana you know bullying the two center backs and jack elliott and jacob glesnes instead of you know martinez trying to make runs in behind because physicality wise they're not they're not gonna he wasn't gonna, gonna beat the two of them one of them's like six foot four in the air so i thought that personnel decision was a bit strange but Overall, you know, the first 25 minutes were okay. They were controlling the ball and maybe getting into the, the, the opponent's uh, final third quite a bit, but but they had no uh, real penetration in that penalty area and they, they couldn't score. And, you know, the union will hurt you in transition and that's exactly what they did. So, um, yeah, it it, 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 it was a just a messy game all around and, and, yeah, no words really. It's the bleeding continues, and 
you know, Austin FC, they've, they've, uh, their next game against Austin FC, they've kind of rebounded a little bit more. So um, that is also going to be a difficult game at home. So let's see how that, that uh, goes on really. Yeah. It's, well, it's tough to see the situation they're in defensively, right? Especially because uh, this team has proven time and time again, that it just frankly isn't very good offensively right now, but when they've found success, it's because that defense uh, has held, held firm they're decimated right now. They have no Gregory, no Jean Mota in the midfield. DeAndre Yedlin is out for the Gold Cup. Uh, Kamal Miller is gone for the Gold Cup with Canada as well. Sergei Kristov was not available because of visa issues returning from the Euro qualifiers. Ryan Saylor is still out. Uh, and now Franco Negri is done for the year with an ACL injury that he suffered in the 38th minute. So just defensively, the team has very, very thin options to look at uh, for for what they're able to do. Um, and I just wonder, you know, with, with the excitement of of Messi coming in and Busquets coming in, I mean, how, how much defense are you going to need or how much defense are you going to have to be able to to make any of this work in, in, in a system? Tata Martino very, very often likes four at the back. Um and I just don't know if right now the personnel is able to be there. Noah Allen, I would assume, is your starting left back for the remainder of the year. Um, and But even he's coming off injury that he missed the first couple months of the season. So, you know, is he full, full to go, you know, week in and week out right now? Uh, there's so, Ian Frey, who went 77 minutes uh, against Philadelphia, is coming off missing, in, you know, the first years of his career because of ACL injuries. So uh, the, in defense right now, they just are, are extremely thin. And with a team like Austin FC that in back-to-back games have done 3-0 thumpings of their opponent, have, you know, league MVPs or quality MVP in Sebastian Driussi, um, Daniel Pereira, who can hurt you in many different ways, uh, a, a lot of talent on Austin FC. I know that they've struggled their mid-table in the West this year, but that was the number two team. That was LAFC's like basically biggest challenge outside of Philadelphia last year. Um, that, that, that I think that this Austin FC team, if you are not healthy, which Inter Miami is not at the back, a, a team like Austin FC is a tough one to go up against. Yep. Yeah, um, do we see... Um... Like you said, Diego Fagundes, Danny Pereira, they have um, Rigoni, you know, tons of <laughs> players that can hurt you. Yeah, it's just tons of players that can hurt um, Inter Miami if they uh, play their cards wrong. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Miami will be playing at home. So maybe that gives them a little boost. But still, you know, they have tons of players that can hurt them. And, 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 I'm just struggling to find words because this Miami team in its current state, you know they don't look too good. So and and Austin, like you said, are coming off back to back three zero wins, and um they're they're starting to finally get it together after struggling earlier in the season. So um yeah, I I don't know how Javi Morales will go about this. Uh, Campana last game, Campana barely got any minutes, so I expect him to start this one. You know, let's see how it goes. I you know for Miami's sake, I'm hoping they can just grind out a draw because to stop the bleeding, but. You know, this Austin team is, you know, quite solid and they've got almost all stars throughout the team and it'll be difficult, but um, not impossible that Miami will be at home. And, you know, hopefully that will give them a little bit more of a boost, you know, with the fans there and, and, and the comfortability of playing in that stadium. 
seven straight MLS losses, four into Miami. That is a club record. Uh, they've never gotten this far. Six, several times, but never into the seventh. They have 17 goals this season. That's fewest in the Eastern Conference, 28 goals allowed. That is third most in the Eastern Conference. Their minus 11 is the worst in the Eastern Conference. And I look to these two games against Austin and, again, against Columbus, um, and they're so important. Uh, you're Right now, you are 11 points out of the playoffs, but you have two games in hand. So net, if you take these and, and you think that you're going to play uh, that uh, you know well against Messi, then, then these two games, I really think at least four points you have to get just to be able to close that gap. You have, you know, a lot of road games after that. Uh, and and so these two games, to be able to get points just to maintain striking distance, for me, are so important. If you had to find someone who's going to propel this team back into competitive play, where are you starting to look? Because it didn't look great against New England. They had two weeks off. You thought maybe returning it would look a little better, and it looked worse. So where where are you turning to you know robert taylor had a great game i thought against philadelphia benha had a pretty good game uh against uh, against philly but uh, Ruiz was okay until yeah, the own goal sorry i missed what you said there he got an assist uh yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. i i thought that there there are certain there are certain bright spots but you need someone it can't just be the young guys someone needs to to propel this team into competitiveness so where where are you looking this weekend um, good question. I'll say maybe a Robert Taylor. Honestly, I think it's the midfield. They're so uh, broken down with without Mata and, and, and Gregory, obviously, you know, before that, you know, Neville's tactics were, you know, they probably could have been better. But with Mata and Gregory out, it, you know, it just they had no platform to build off of off off of offensively and you know earlier this morning we saw the club tweeted tweeted out a, a video of, of Gregory actually back on the field he's not doing ball work but you know he's running and like jogging so hopefully he'll, he will be back before the end of the season but um who needs to step up I, I I I don't know if the midfield plays poorly you know I think it's going to be very one-sided uh you know against Austin but maybe yeah, I'll say Robert Taylor, maybe Stefanelli, you know, with Coco Jean out and now Franco Negri, both of them out with ACL injuries, you know, uh, no, Allen will step up. Uh, Stefanelli will probably get some minutes. Uh, Robert Taylor as well. Campana, like I mentioned earlier, he he didn't start against the Union. So um, I expect him to maybe start, hopefully. And um, yeah, someone needs to step up and, you know, maybe it is Leo Campana. Maybe that, that's that's his uh, that'll be his you'd game. Like and, be, right? and, and, I mean, you'd like it to be. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, but um, yeah, they they definitely need to see, to get it together and and just get something flowing, you know. Yeah, Dixon Arroyo is an, another name potentially, I guess, with with, with all that's missing um, in the back there. Look, briefly, Alex, before we go, I do want to touch on Columbus because that game is uh, next Tuesday, uh, July fourth, uh, special July fourth game for Inter Miami this year at home. Last year was at Dallas. Um, this year they get Columbus at home, and the rare chance, you know. Inter Miami, if you if you ever get a chance to go into the locker room, not in the the stadium, but in the the clubhouse as well, um, they have a board in the training facility that shows every single home and away opponent or every opponent that they play over the course of the year and their their uh, results against them, and if they won the season series or not against them. Columbus 
is the rare one this year that they're going to have the opportunity to do it with, both because they play them twice and because Columbus is the only team that Miami has beaten on the road this year, a 2-1 win earlier mm-hmm. this season. So this is this is the first time that Miami will have a chance to get a six-pointer against one of their Eastern Conference rivals this year, and perhaps their only chance given the state of affairs right now. So looking into this game, and I mentioned how important these two games are going to be, getting at least four points, I really think that uh, if they're going to have any chance of being in striking distance, uh, come when Messi arrives and not just rely on the U.S. Open Cup and the League's Cup, this Columbus crew game winds up becoming even more important depending on what happens this weekend against Austin. Uh, you know, with, with two games in four days, this team is is used to that. They played eight games in 25 days in the month of May. Uh, so so they're used to, to schedule congestion. But h- how do you prepare for these two games in four days knowing the importance of them for your MLS campaign? Um, I think they just kind of go for it. I, I don't think they think about the schedule or, uh, at this point. You know, all their most of their players are out with injury, so they, you know, next next player up, and you know, I think they're just going to go for it. You kind of have to at this point, and uh, they're kind of fighting for their lives. At, uh, you know, in the, in that sense, and you know, they're second to last in the wooden spoon race, and and in in any Inter Miami season, they haven't finished last in the league. So, definitely some some motivation to climb up into the the playoff spots and and whatnot. Um, so yeah, they're just gonna have to go for it. Everyone's gonna have to go and do their best, and like you take it one game at a time against Austin this weekend. Maybe grind out a, a draw, or maybe get that win. Um, something needs to happen, but you know, right now they're not in a good spot. And yes, players are injured, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you just need to play ugly and win. You know, before Messi and Busquets, you know, Tata, you know, actually come here and and they get their visas and they finally get settled. You know, they have to play ugly and win and just stop the bleeding right now because that's the most important thing. Let's talk about what went right in that Columbus game earlier this season. Obviously, you're missing three starters uh, from that game. Negri, Mota, and Coco Jean uh, will be out. You're also missing another two starters in Yedlin and Kamal Miller uh, who who are gone for the Gold Cup. But Sergi started that game. Dixon Arroyo, that was one of his first games for the club. Benha. Stefanelli and Campana up top. That was the brace that Campana scored. And it, one of the games that he looked pretty pretty good against Columbus's back three, that was probably Campana's best game that he's played this season. You had mentioned that you think that he starts against Austin. Um, are, are you going with two? I, it's a tired conversation, I know. But, but how <laughs> are you managing this? You know, Javi has not gone with two strikers in a single time yet, really, outside of substitutions. Um, at a necessity. I, I think the only time he did was against New England at late in the game there. But, you know, h- how are you managing this game to, to get those opportunities that, that you were able to to really attack that that back three that Columbus tried the last time that I think was very successful for the for, for Miami to find spaces in behind, but especially those wide crosses. That was that was really the difference. I go back to Campana's first goal in that game. And that was what was working for them against Columbus the first time was they were able to find the spaces to make those crosses. And they were, you know, I I don't love those crosses because they're low percentage if you look at the totality of them. But they were they were high percentage for that single game in that small sample size there that 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 was what worked for them to beat Columbus the first time out. Yeah, and I, I think the tactically Javi's going to do something different. I think he'll probably go with one striker, maybe Joseph on the bench, and they'll play that same old 4-2. Uh, actually, I don't 
I don't know. I think he he He's just won the four two three one pretty much consistently. Yeah, but he that that back three wasn't too successful against the Union, but I think against Columbus it'll probably probably be more fitting, you know, with their back three as well and just numerically match them up. But I'm I'm I, I hate to make these calls because you never know until you actually get to game day, you know. So um I, I do think that maybe he will um revert back to the, the flat back I think he'll go with the back three because you know, unless Harvey Neville starts at right back I don't necessarily trust Noah Allen as a center back, but as a fullback, yes, going forward and, and obviously he will be starting now. But um yeah, I know it, it's hard to tell. Does he go with two up top? Will he go with the two number tens again? Uh, it, it's difficult to say, but I do think that whatever happens, maybe they have to match up numerically against Columbus and, and kind of stymie that midfield. I know um, Aiden Morris is with the U.S. men's national team, so he won't be there. So that's one less uh, midfielder to worry about. I, uh, um, Darlington Nagby uh, will be there, which will be um, um, you know a, a tough deal <laughs> for, for Inter-Miami. He's kind of unpressable, but um, yeah, I'm, 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 I think this would have worked had Yedlin been in with Inter Miami instead of with the US, but I think against the crew in that back three, you have to match them up numerically and kind of not necessarily man mark, but kind of uh, stymie um their most uh their their deadliest players. So kind of pin pin their full their their excuse me their wing backs back and make sure making sure they're not getting these overlapping uh, runs and and getting crosses in because you know I think once Miami get into that stretch transition transition game where other teams are allowed to get in it and cross. That's that's difficult for them. So I do think back three, just to numerically um, match up with the crew, but I, I don't think Javi will go with two strikers. I think he'll, he'll you know, Ben Kramaski will start again. Stefanelli will probably start. And then um, maybe maybe things will switch uh, second half and 60th minute. Maybe he'll bring in some subs. But, yeah, I think back three you start, and then if the game is going the way you want, maybe you can go attack and switch to flat back four and, and pour more numbers um, um, uh, forward. Austin FC Saturday from Dry Pink Stadium at 7.30. Austin currently eighth in the Eastern Conference on 25 points through 19 played. Tuesday, July 4th will be Columbus 7.30 as well from Dry Pink Stadium. Columbus currently is fifth in the Eastern Conference, 31 points on 19 played, but neither of them pretty good away from home. Austin 2-1-5. and five. A minus nine goal differential this season away from uh, Austin, Texas, and Columbus away from home has been two, two, and five of the minus eight goal differential. So definitely opportunity there for Inter Miami to get some points that they haven't gotten uh, in the better part. Well, in seven games, seven game losing streak uh, for Inter Miami in MLS play. Alex, before we go, uh, I want to touch on MLS All Star real quick. The All Star team announced. You and I both voted in that. Um, and no inter Miami players were selected to the all-star game. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you had any, I don't think you had any in your, your ballot. I had Drake calendar in mine. Um, and I, and I actually think that, that he probably would have been chosen, uh, if not for, uh, the way that, that sort of these things, uh, that go in terms of coaches picks, Wayne Rooney got a, a bunch of picks, Don Garber gets a bunch of picks, the commissioner. Uh, so, so Roman Berkey of St. Louis was voted in. He was a top vote getter for goalkeepers. Uh, but the other two goalkeepers, Jordi Petrovic of New England, was a coach's selection by Wayne Rooney. But also Tyler Miller, 
that if you want to call a snub there, Tyler Miller, DC United's goalkeeper, gets the nod as a coach's selection by Wayne Rooney uh, to go to the All-Star game, perhaps most likely uh, at the expense of Drake Callender to, to be an All-Star. Miami with no All-Stars on this, in this roster that will play in DC against Arsenal uh, coming up later this summer. What were your thoughts on that? If you thought Drake deserved it or, or if anybody did, uh, and your your ballot compared to what the final result was. Yeah, I'm a little confused about um, if we're or if you know Drake Callender wasn't voted in or he wasn't a coach's pick. It's it's weird how guys like Ricky Puig, who was playing for nearly the last place LA Galaxy, gets in despite the team. He could have good individual stats, but the team has been playing pretty poorly. But he gets in. But a little confused how Drake does in when it's kind of similar situations. I know Ricky Puig is a bigger name but still I, I think it's it, if Pui can get in then absolutely calendar should have gotten a coach's pick um another confusing uh not selected is Carlos Hill uh of the the New England Revolution you know he's been having a really good year but he was not a selected in nor was he a, a commissioner or a coach's pick either um uh selections that I do like obviously Jose Martinez from the union uh you know coach's pick um you know, Christian Espinoza for the San Jose Earthquakes, he's been having a good year. Uh, good for him. Benteke, he's been having a good year. Uh, I believe he was voted in. Uh, yeah, he was, no, he was a coach's pick from Wayne Rooney, his own coach, so there's no conflict of interest there. Um, <laughs> um, oh, it's interesting yeah, to hear know. Arena's, Bruce Arena had very, very interesting comments on Carlos Hill not not being selected. I, I, and, and you know, he's right to say that how, how could, yeah, I agree. Carlos Hill is probably... I mean, he's not going to win MVP, but he's top five, top eight, probably. And he's not making yeah. the All-Star game. That, that was a little confusing. Um, I, you're right. I, I, there were some that I did, like Alvaro Barrial uh, from Cincinnati, w- voted in, was very nice. Um, I, I like Jesus Ferreira, who just came off the hat trick yesterday in the Gold Cup, getting voted in. It's about time um, that he did. But also, you know, I, I give it to Don Garber because picking Kai Kamara – as one of his two commissioner picks uh, after the, the journeyman goal scorer that he is um, was, was really a, a nice touch. And I, I hope that Kai gets some valuable minutes in this game. Uh, you know, he, he's going to end up being an MLS legend at the end of his career. So, and he's yeah. having a great season for Chicago. Yeah, he is. Sorry. I didn't have anything much to add on there, but he's also, he's every time he plays Miami, he's also always, you know, scoring goals on them. And yeah, it's just a, a consistent goal scorer and, Happy to see him uh, get some um, recognition, finally. There's a lot going on, Alex. I feel like we could talk forever each and every week, (laughs) but we'll wrap there. Inter-Miami introducing Tata Martino as its next head coach and bringing on his assistance as well. He'll take over sometime, we expect, within the next week or so uh, as Javi Morales, the interim head coach, will wrap up his final couple games before returning to an assistant role with the club. It will be Austin FC this Saturday at Dry Pink Stadium at 7.30, followed by Columbus Crew on Tuesday, July 4th, 7.30 from Dry Pink Stadium. Make sure you follow the Heron Outlet wherever you get your podcast, or if you're watching here on YouTube, subscribe, like, share, give us a comment. Let's t- continue the conversation. Follow us on Twitter or on Instagram or on our Substack. You can subscribe to our Substack. Get all the latest. Alex is going to have a great uh, article coming up later as well with our Substack. You can get all very interesting, unique content on our Substack, theheronoutlet.substack.com. You can also follow us on our socials, uh, on Twitch, on 
TikTok and, and a bunch of other places, the Heron Outlet, your number one source for Inter Miami to have you covered as we enter this new era of the Herons and their play. That'll do it for us this week. For Alex Winley, I am Ian Heston. For our producer, Andres, this is the Heron Outlet, and we'll see you back here this time next week.